Welcome to the Amazon Hustle Podcast, hosted by six-figure Amazon seller and Amazon content creator, Lewis Moore III, aka LM3. Now, let's start this week's episode. But first, don't forget to like and share the podcast on your social media accounts. All right, Steve, so can you just tell the people who you are and exactly what it, what it is that you do? Yes. So uh, my name's Steve Rakin and I've been a reseller for about nine years. I started flipping items from Craigslist, specifically bicycles, made about $20,000 in sales my first year. Uh, quit my job working at the Cracker Barrel, moved on to selling clothing on eBay full-time, did that for quite a few years. And now I'm uh, a full-time Amazon seller. So I sell a lot of books, board games, DVDs. I go to thrift stores, garage sales, but my number one source right now is eBay to Amazon flips via online arbitrage. Nice. Nice. Um, I want to ask you about the eBay to Amazon flipping, but first I want to know you were a waiter back in 2013. That was nine years ago, right? Yeah. Waiting on tables, delivering pizzas. And I was going to school at the time to be an x-ray technician. Okay. So what was it that like got you from one from like being a waiter and being a pizza delivery to flipping bikes on Craigslist, was it like did you get like a bad tip or was it like a bad like um customer and you was like no forget this I need to find something else like what got you into being a reseller? Yeah, so I mean I've always been a hustler in my DNA. You know, I remember being a little kid and flipping baseball cards and Pokemon cards, having a lemonade stand, the newspaper route when I was. Uh, was I 18 or 20? I don't know. One of those ages, time has flown by. Uh, I ended up getting arrested for, I got caught selling weed and that's when I hit rock bottom, got locked up, was on probation. And I was like, all right, I've got to find a way to let this hustler out mm -hmm. legally and ethically right. <laughs> by not breaking the law. And, uh, you know, it, it took me a long time because I started to think this is impossible. I can't, how am I supposed to be a, a hustler and make money and, you know, not be locked in a cage? Cause that's what I felt like, you know, even going to school, working at the, you know, the pizza delivery, uh, job that I had and at the cracker barrel. And it all started because I was so desperate. I was looking online for ways to make money. And I found this guy, this jacked Asian guy. I'll never forget it. His name is uh, Chris, the bonafide hustler okay. on YouTube. And, uh, he was flipping bicycles. And he's really well put together. You know how like some resellers who are like flipping from garage sales and like flea markets, you're like, I don't know if I really want to be like that. They look like they might live on the side of the road. But this yeah. guy was like really put together, professional, well-spoken. And he had his own house in Austin, Texas. And I was like, wow, like this guy knows what he's doing. And I essentially, you know, I think I just stalked him on Facebook and asked him a million questions and just literally modeled success. Just like Tony Robbins says. If you want to become successful, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, just model success. And that's what I did. Half model success, half stalking him on Facebook. <laughs> okay. I have so many questions. The first one is, um, I don't want to get all into it, but you said that you, um, that you tried selling some, uh, illegal substances like, like weed. Like, how do you feel now, nine years later with it being legalized and like all that type of stuff? Do, do you, do you have any feelings about that or is it hey, it is what it is? Yeah. I mean, I didn't try. I mean, I was doing it for quite a few years. I mean, I was the guy known in town. Oh, I won't, okay. I won't get into details, but all I say is I remember one time, can't believe I'll, I'm going to say this for the first time ever on your podcast. Exclusive. This is exclusive. I was, I had gotten up to, I won't say the specific number, but I'll just say yeah. I was spending thousands of dollars when I was picking up a bag. So it wasn't oh, wow. like nickels and dimes. And, uh, 
this stuff had such a strong smell. I was living at home with my parents at the time. Uh-oh. And uh, it was a garbage bag, like this big. But it wasn't as big as it sounds. It was just really fluffy, light, stinky. Mm-hmm. you know. And I don't even smoke weed anymore. But uh, I left to go to my friend's house. And I got a phone call from my dad. And he's like, what is going on in here? There's a trash bag full of this stuff in my house. Years later, like he didn't even like he didn't tell my mom or anything and like let it be probably a big mistake. Years later, he's like, you know, I took a couple handfuls. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, it it kind of is crazy, man. What what happened to me? Because like the way I got arrested, like, I mean, I was like completely raided a whole task force. Like they spent so much money to take me down. And when I got taken down, I only had like a half an ounce on me. So like it was wow. all misdemeanor quantities so like they wasted literally thousands of dollars of like tax dollars to take down a little tiny fish and it was it is what it is i mean whatever i was i was in the wrong and i learned my lesson i'm I'm glad it happened i'm glad i got snitched out by who i got snitched out by by a guy in my neighborhood and uh if i ever see him again i'll actually thank him because if it wasn't for that who knows how deep i would have gone into it so exactly um i can relate to that a lot i I used to smoke a lot of weed, like and, and like before we started, um, like, uh, like a lot. Like, uh, like I started when I was eleven. I didn't like. I, okay, I tried it first when I when I was eleven, but I didn't really start smoking until I got into high school and kind of had that freedom to like, like okay. Before high school, my mother would drop me off at school and pick me up. But then once I got to high school, I kind of had the freedom to go to school by myself, and I kind of fell in fell into the wrong cr- crowd. Yeah. And then I really started smoking weed then. So before we started recording, you were you were saying that before reselling, you tried like a lot of things, but you will always quit at it. And I can relate to that because I had the exact same thing. And I used to joke and say the only thing that I never quit was weed. But every but like everything else, I would start and then quit and then start and then quit. But finally, I quit smoking weed. And once and I'm not saying that weed is bad or any or anything like that. But for me. It was because it made me so unpro- um, unproductive. Yeah. And yeah, so I just, so like I can just relate to that, but we can stop talking about weed now. Oh man, I thought this was going to turn into like a 420 podcast. Man. <laughs> no, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> I was just saying that I, that, um, that I can relate to your story. Um, you, okay, so you started flipping bikes and you made 20,000 in your first year. When did you switch to going to doing like full time? Well, well, not full time, but when did you switch to yeah. like doing eBay? Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, I didn't even know that like the whole eBay world was a thing. Like I knew it existed, but I didn't really know like how to make money with an eBay business. I didn't right. even know really Amazon existed. Uh, but what happened was I live in Connecticut and uh, it gets really cold. We get a lot of snow during the winter time. And people aren't riding bikes which means I wasn't able to source bikes off of Craigslist, which is where I was sourcing them all. And then I would flip them back on Craigslist. So I was like, man, like I got to figure out a way to make money. You know, I've, I've tasted success. I've tasted what it's like to, you know, legally and ethically hustle. And I'm like, this is freaking cool. So what did I do? I went back to the drawing board, went right back to YouTube started, you know, at the time I was actually recording videos. So I was starting to build my network and I always tell people, you know, on my YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel, not for the money, not for the clout or whatever it is you, your ego is probably going for start it. So you can add value because you're going to connect with high level people, people who Mm -hmm. are doing what you want to do. And that's been the number one thing, you know, start in my YouTube channel and in social media and everything like that. Uh, What was the question again? I was, I lost my train of thought going down that road. (laughs) 
it's all right. The question was, how did you go from um, bikes to being? Oh, yeah. Cleaner? Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So wintertime hit. So, I mean, I, I couldn't figure out like how I was going to make money. So I went mm -hmm. down the YouTube rabbit hole and found uh, a guy named Ronnie Hart's Motor Company, man, years ago. And he was flipping clothing full time, mm -hmm. lived about a state over for me. And uh, I just started going to thrift stores and buying clothes. And back then, completely different game. Where do you live again, Louis? Um, I'm in Germany now. You're in Germany. Okay. So I don't know how your thrift stores they or suck. whatnot, how they are out there. Are they crazy? They're terrible. They're terrible. It's yeah, just a well, bunch of old people giving away their stuff. Yeah. How long you been thrifting and stuff for? Um, I don't thrift anymore, but when I started about three, about three years ago, I started with eBay and I did eBay for about a year and then I found Amazon and then I quit doing eBay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's a natural progression. Um, but yeah, man, eight years ago at thrift stores, <sighs> Jackpot city, baby. I mean, okay. I'm talking, you're picking up clothing items for 49 cents, 99 cents, $1.99. I mean, now they're 10 to 20 times that price. I mean, mm -hmm. they have gone absolutely speaking of weed. I think all the managers at these thrift stores are high out of their mind. I have no <laughs> idea why or how they're pricing these things. Um, but yeah, that's, that was it, man. Wintertime hit and I had to find another way. And I learned about clothing sucked mm -hmm. in the beginning, but got better and better. And eventually moved out of my parents' house, got my own office space and I documented it all on YouTube. So that was the next step. At what point from bikes to doing clothes on eBay, did you quit your job and become a full-time seller? Yeah. So I believe it was towards the end of uh, my, my bike flipping mm -hmm. career, right? Whatever you want to call it. Um, I had saved up quite a bit of money for me. Quite a bit of money was like, I don't know, 4000 or $5,000 or something like that. So I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm retiring, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> living at home with my parents didn't really have any bills. I think my dad might have been even paying my car bill. Who knows? I mean, I was pathetic back then. I had nothing. Um, so, Yeah. I had, I had quit and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this full time flipping bicycles. And I started doing eBay. And mm -hmm. you know, the great thing about going to thrift stores and stuff is you don't really have to manage your money that well, like compared to online arbitrage or a lot of like wholesale businesses with Amazon, like a lot of your money is going into inventory back then. And I was picking up items for a buck or two and selling them for 30 or 40 bucks all day long. So you know, people would ask me, well, how much are you paying yourself? And it's like, I'm paying myself everything. Like there, there wasn't a lot of overhead, you know? So I quickly were, I just quickly started just stacking up money, living at home with my parents. Right. Okay. So you were working and then you quit to sell clothes online, but you were still living with your parents. So what was your parents reaction when they found out that you quit your job? Did you already establish yourself and they were like, okay, we believe in you. Or was it like, what the hell, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Back then my grandparents were alive as well. And, uh, I remember I told them not only I was quitting my job, but I, I had been going to school Lewis for uh, a couple of years to be an x-ray technician. That's where, oh, you know, okay. Yeah. You know, you take, uh, the x-rays of people when they break their bones and different scenarios, that was a really tough program, man, to get accepted into. Um, there was hundreds of people who applied and mm -hmm. I got accepted out of seven, 17 people got accepted and I was a terrible student my whole life. So I, I made my whole family so proud that I got accepted. I actually didn't get accepted, but one person dropped out. And like a week later, they called me, someone dropped out, you're in. And like right. everyone celebrated. And I remember I went to uh, the first day of orientation. And at the time I had already started my eBay business. Um, you know, I was flipping bikes 
but obviously I was more into eBay cause it was winter time and whatnot. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like I'm going to be in school for another two years. I'm going to feel trapped. I'm going to have to get all these good grades. And then what, what am I going to do? I'm going to work my absolute butt off. So I make 60 grand a year just mm-hmm. to make my, my family and my parents happy. And I'm like, this isn't me. I'm like, I got to go with my heart. I mean, I was waking up every morning, so excited to go to thrift stores, flipping items, checking sales on eBay. I mean, it was like, it was, it almost compares to like the first time you had a crush on a girl when you were younger, you know what that feeling was like? Like, Oh my gosh, like that feeling, that first time feeling, I was feeling that feeling thrifting and flipping. And I'm like, I got to go with this. And I remember telling them all of them and they were just like, my mom was really supportive, but everyone you could tell deep down inside was like, what a freaking loser. (laughs) How do they feel about your career or or like your path in life now? Is it like, oh, you were right. We were wrong. Or is it just like, okay, we believed in you or how is that? um, How is that? How is that dynamic now? Yeah. I mean, everyone's really happy now. I mean, everyone's really proud of how far I've come and, you know, I own, three houses now, multiple rental properties. You know, I don't say that to brag or boast, but a lot of times I I tell this to to some of my friends. I have a really good friend of mine who, you know, he's getting really beaten down by his family. My family didn't really like straight up, like tell me I'm disappointed, but just the body language, you know what I mean? So I can't, I can't trash my family too much. My grandparents were disappointed because they were obviously like more traditional and whatnot. Yeah. They they were older. So they didn't even understand this. You're selling clothes on the internet. What? (laughs) I'm behind used bicycles. <laughs> my, uh, my buddy is, uh, you know, he has a passion and, uh, just a real hunger for success when it comes to reselling and he's actually making money and he's actually doing really well. But the problem is, um, you know, he has a, still a beater car and he doesn't have like that nice of a place that he lives and people don't believe in him. They think he's a loser. And I told him, I said, unfortunately, no one's going to believe in you until they see success. It really sucks, but it's like, I remember when I, I bought my, my Corvette, my first sports car, you know, uh, a couple of years back, I ended up selling it a year later. Cause I'm like, I don't give a shit about this thing. But, um, everyone was like, you made it, you made it all of a sudden. I'm like, I've had this money that I've had for years now. I just haven't been showing it off. And like, mm-hmm. I got a sports car and like, they finally believe you. So I was telling my buddy, it's like, unfortunately in this world, it's like, people don't show you respect until they actually see it but you don't need to prove yourself. If your money's coming in, if your business is thriving, if you have your freedom, if your bank account feels and looks good, then screw what anyone else thinks. Exactly. Uh, do you think that is a bad thing or that is a good thing? Cause I personally think if you had everybody, believing, what well, it, it may sound bad, but if you had everybody on your side, then you wouldn't have that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say chip on your shoulder, but you wouldn't have that thing to approve or that, that could be like a little bit of fuel to like get you to where you want to go. So maybe that might be a good thing. Yeah. I think it depends. You know, I think some people like my buddy who I was just referencing, he definitely has a big chip on his shoulder. Like I could tell his like main driving force is trying to prove other people wrong. Um, I don't always think that's the best way to go about because eventually, you know, I I feel like you want to have your own reason. Um, But for each their own, um, I never really had a huge chip on my shoulder, Lewis. I just hated being trapped. I hated clocking in, clocking out. I wanted freedom, dude. That's what I wanted. I wanted to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I didn't want to show up with a freaking apron on with two stars going to the Cracker Barrel serving freaking 75-year-old grandmas who are freaking so (laughs) angry, biscuits, and yelling at me that I didn't heat up their coffee mug before I poured coffee in it. Like, what? You're supposed to heat up the coffee mug? I never heard of that. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand that 100% that. See, that's the thing. I think there's two different types of people in the world and not – and 
one isn't better than the other, but I think it's the type of people who grew up and had the candy that they were selling to the other kids and had the mixtapes that, that they were making and selling and was selling Pokemon who kind of have that natural spirit of a hustler. And then the other people who just, they don't, they don't want that. They just want to go to their job, do their job and they come home and they live their life. No one better than the other. But I think that yeah. the people who have that natural spirit, you will never, you would like, you will never be fully happy trying to live the life of somebody else. And I just think that everybody should take that chance. If you have that spirit to kind of take that chance. Cause you'll always be sitting sitting back wondering what if I took this role instead of that role. So I think that that's yeah. something because like, I have that too. Like I still have a full-time job. I still have a full-time job because my job is really chilled and I'm able to do a lot of sourcing and do my edit, edit and my videos and stuff at, um, at work. But the minute that I get to the point to where it's taking time away from my business, then I'm then like, I'm then like, yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. I don't even think, honestly, it's a bad idea to have a, a job while you're reselling. Because one of the lessons that I've learned and, and I'll take a step back by saying, if you're going to thrift stores and you're buying items for a buck or two, or you have some supplier or some way of getting inventory dirt cheap, where you're able to sell it for like a thousand percent return, you don't have to worry so much about cash flow if you're right. able to get stuff so cheap. But nowadays with the prices being up so much and fees are increasing and postage is increasing. One thing I really want to talk more about on my YouTube channel is like, cash flow the difference between your business actually showing a profit versus how much you're actually taking home because mm -hmm. a lot of people show profits all day long i mean it was funny i, I put out a post on my instagram the other day and i've done thirty-one thousand dollars in sales over the last 30 days and i, I shared that um i only brought home two thousand dollars and it might have been the way that i phrased it but i had gotten like multiple comments and dms like you're going about things the wrong way like you should be making more profit and i'm like no that's not profit like i technically made eleven thousand dollars profit but i only paid myself two thousand dollars because i'm reinvesting back into my business and it was interesting i could just tell it was lack of experience because i used to be this way too like people just didn't get it they're like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and i'm thinking to myself i don't think you understand how a physical based business actually works at scale so I didn't know if you've ever like run into that with people because a lot of I was actually just on a coaching call with somebody and they wanted to get started. He's like, I want to make 10 to 20 grand profit take home as soon as possible. And I'm like, that's going to take a long time to take home 10 to 20 grand, especially thrifting. It's like almost impossible, like without a major team. I know exactly what you're talking about because I hit a milestone in my Amazon business and my Amazon business last month. And I was showing my girlfriend how much I, my revenue and then how much profit I pay myself. And it was like five or 6% of my actual revenue. And she was like, why are you working so hard just to get a couple of thousand thousand dollars? And I'm like, I don't think you understand that I could have paid myself more, but then my business would stay at the level that it's at now. And I'm trying to make a hundred thousand dollars or sell a hundred thousand dollars a month. And to do that, you have to keep reinvesting. And I think that just goes back to some people understand how business work and some people don't understand how business business works. Yeah. And I'm not special, man. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really start learning about this for the last couple of years. I was a complete numbnuck. You know, I really didn't know what the heck I was doing, but when you're thrifting and you're buying things for a couple of bucks and you're only selling five to 10 K a month, you can get away with it. But right. once you really want to scale, I've just learned so much. Literally this, this year I've learned more than I've ever learned just actually trying to scale this business because before I was just happy with paying my bills, making some extra money. I was making mm -hmm. money off social media, affiliate marketing off my properties, different things. So I was like, eh, you know, if I can make five to 10 K, whatever, I'm fine. I'm good. Right. 
if I could take home, you know, five grand a month, I'm fine. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a big learning curve for sure that a lot of people I don't think realize goes into this business. It is a legitimate business. It's not just a little side gig, side hustle. You can build a real business selling on Amazon. Exactly. Um. So what do you think happened or maybe, you know, happened, but what made that mind switch to where you wanted to like because you were already in a good position that are better than like 90 90 percent of americans so what switched to where you wanted to like take it to the next step and then move to amazon and start doing 30 30 months and like all that like what made, yeah like like what like what happened yeah i actually i think a lot of it had to do with the pandemic and whatnot spending a mm -hmm. lot of time at home inside and i just started to miss like the building like the creation the strategic you know putting a game plan together and actually building a business. Kind of like I remember when I first started my reselling business, like having to learn everything. And mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just for me, it's just so much fun to just build something, um, especially something that I could share with my audience, something that I'm proud of, something that I really enjoy. And uh, I think the big thing was learning about online arbitrage for years, man. You know, I was making decent money reselling, right. but it was having to go out and physically work hard to find the stuff, source the stuff. And I became a bit discouraged because of competition at thrift stores, garage sales, prices going up, postage fees, everything. It was like, it was caving in. But when I, when I discovered online arbitrage and I really gave it a shot and I learned about the method I'm doing now, eBay to Amazon flips, it's just like, it lit a freaking fire under my ass, man. I don't know what it was. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you or like, you're doing, yeah, you're doing well, you're cruising, but like you mm -hmm. discover something new and you're like, holy, like, I'm excited. And I, I got, I don't know. My passion just lit up again. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I, because I'm one of those people too, that I love learning. Like I love learning and I love creating new things. And I don't want to say that I'll create something just like with eBay. I think I got to the point to where I was with eBay that I, I, I don't want to say I knew everything, but there wasn't any new things coming in. It was, I go to the thrift store, I find these books, I find these games, and then that's just over and over and over. And then I found Amazon and I jumped on Amazon so quick because it was a whole new world of things that I had to learn, things, problems that I had to solve and like do all that. So I know about yeah. that. Always wanted to learn new things. I always wanted to build new things. Um, My question, I have a question for you about YouTube. At what point in your YouTube journey did you start taking it serious? Like, did, it's like, yeah. 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 That was probably, so if I started back in, I think when I started 2013 or so, I would say around 2015 to 2016, I started making money because I was producing some eBooks at the time. Um, I started doing some, some different, uh, courses and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I started making money from that and I was helping a lot of people. And that's also when live streaming started to really pop off. And, uh, I remember I started making quite a bit of money, man, like thousands of dollars a month just posting videos. And I was like, wow, because before I was only doing a couple hundred dollars a month or so, mm -hmm. but when the live streaming came about, the algorithm isn't really the same anymore. Right. But back then, man, in 2016, man, the, the live streams would go viral. Like they would go wild and you'd make quite a bit of money, man. So that's when I really started to take it serious. Cause I'm like, wow, like I can actually make money from this. And a lot of people are opposed to selling coaching or creating products or, um, you know, selling anything to their audience. And I would like to share a different perspective. I've been, you know, behind the scenes, you were like, is it okay if I call you an OG? And I'm like, I guess so, man. A lot of people have called me an OG because I've been doing it like pretty much, you know, some of the longest in this community. But I'll tell you, Lewis, 97% of the people who started their YouTube channel back when I did, they're gone. Yeah. 
Are they bad people? No. Do they love helping people? Absolutely. But what the problem was is they never found a way to be able to help people and also make money because time is money. There's inflation. We all have bills. There's things that come up in life. You have to pay for a funeral. You have to help your kids with college. Who knows what's going to happen? So I always found a way after a couple of years to be able to make money, not from my audience, but by providing value and finding creative ways to help small groups of people with certain problems and challenges they were dealing with. And I think that's a big, big issue in the reselling community. A lot of people are so scared to monetize their channel. You don't want to monetize your audience, but you want to find creative ways to be able to help people and make money. Because if you're not making money from it, eventually you're going to have to get pulled. Your time's going to get pulled into something else because you're going to have to pay your bills. Exactly. That kind of brings me into my next question, which this may be the answer that you already answered already, but what advice would you give for a new YouTuber or somebody who's been doing it for a couple of years, maybe somebody who has a cool YouTube channel has almost 3000 sub subscribers and is trying to reach the next level. Like what kind of advice would you give to that person? Yeah. So are you asking more or less like next level in terms of making money or next level in terms of reaching more people? Would you say? Um, I would say reaching more people. Cause I believe the more people I reach then, uh, then of course yeah. my income would like go up with that. Yeah, I would say really niche down, figure out who your core audience is and who who you want to help. Create almost like an avatar of who you want to help. That was one of the biggest mistakes I've made over the years is I went into too many different uh, arenas or too many different topics. And think about it. If you go on to your TV and you're turning on ESPN, what do you want to do? You want to watch sports, sports. right? Yeah. And obviously you could say, well, rake and profit or, you know, Lewis Moore, it's all about making money, but that's a really wide, wide net that you're casting. And what will happen over time is if you're talking about too many different things, people will start not watching your channel. Um, mm -hmm. They'll unsubscribe. Your watch time will go down. And that's the number one thing right now with YouTube. YouTube wants their uh, viewers to stay on as long as possible because the longer somebody watches, the more ads they're going to be able to serve and the more money they're going to be able to make. And it's all about time spent on a website. So really figure out who you're serving, what type of content you want to make. And for myself right now, I've been falling in love with Amazon so much, even though I've been selling on it for years, I've kind of jumped around from wholesale to drop shipping to mm -hmm. RA to OA to private label. And I think I'm really going to focus in on just selling books and online arbitrage now. I'm still going to talk about eBay from time to time. And I think it's okay to still have 10 to 15% of your content about like kind of random stuff. Mm -hmm. But your core 80 to 20 rule, like Pareto's principle, 80% of your content should be really focused on that avatar to, to grow your channel. That's the best advice I can give. Nice. I like that. Um, I want to kind of, because we're going like 30, 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you forever. Um, what is your goal with Amazon? So right now, my goal, I'll take a step back. When I first started um sharing some of my goals at the beginning of the year. I think at the time I was doing somewhere around like 5,000 a month, right? Cause I was selling on eBay. I was still doing Facebook marketplace and different things, but I was doing around 5,000 a month. It might've been a little higher, but uh, I set a goal to do $40,000 a month by right. the end of the year. And I was going to do it through eBay to Amazon flipping. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, right now we're at 31. So the goal is to get the 40 K by the end of the year. And then I'm going to assess what the next thing is I'm going to do. I'm playing around with a couple different ideas, either scaling with uh, traditional means of online arbitrage, you know, like most people are doing with Nike and Adidas and, mm -hmm. you know, different websites. Um, and I'm also probably more likely to go into um, 
working directly with distributors uh, via right. wholesale. I'm taking right. a couple courses right now and uh, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out, I don't want to make the mistake of getting into something that I'm going to regret um, because I love my freedom so much. I'm tempted to like get a warehouse and do that whole thing, uh -oh. but I've had one in the past and if it's not close by to my house, it's actually really, really annoying to have to drive like 30 minutes to a warehouse. So that's why I'm not like hundred percent going into wholesale because I need to figure out like what's best for me, you know? Right. Right. I get that. Cause do you feel that maybe it will come, it will, it will, it will become something that you've been working so hard to get away from. Like, just like it will become like a job. Yeah. The thing exactly. And, uh, we got my little buddy who wants to come on live. Um, yeah. And also I'll be honest with you, dude, dealing with physical employees is such a pain in the ass. I really don't miss that at all. I have virtual assistants that I work with, but <laughs> you know, we're working, they're in the Philippines and I'm in the United States. So it's different. And I don't have to physically be there watching right. them. And there's, you know what I mean? So I don't know if I want to go the whole warehouse insurance, big overhead and all that. I mean, honestly, at that point, I'd probably go with prep centers or figure out a different way. So I'm still just kind of going back and forth, like trying to figure out what I want to do because it's so easy to get excited in the short term. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, ah, oh, crap. So I want to make the right decision and I'm not in a, I'm not in any rush, man. So. I mean, that's good. Cause you're doing really, really good now. So you kind of like, you have your next goal coming up. So you kind of have some time to figure out what you're going to do next. Cause I've been selling on Amazon for two years now. And for a year and a half, I was selling nothing but books, but a couple of, but a couple of months ago, actually after doing a couple of these podcasts, I've like most of the people that I interview do online arbitrage. And yeah. I was really against online arbitrage before <laughs> just, just, cause I didn't know nothing about it, yeah. but the more people I talk to, the more information I get. And I made the the, and I made the decision a couple of months ago to kind of pivot from doing books to doing online arbitrage. So now I'm learning that now. And like, I really enjoy that model much better than selling, selling books, which also is a problem. Cause I always talk on my YouTube channel about selling books, but I'm trying to figure out how to kind of get my content from going from selling books to doing online arbitrage too. So that's kind of where, where I'm at now. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's such a natural progression. I see a lot of, you know, booksellers moving on to online arbitrage. So I think mm -hmm. it's a really good bridge and it would also be natural for you. You know, that was one of my mistakes I made on my YouTube channel is I just kind of kept doing the same thing over and over again. And mm -hmm. while some people will be disappointed that you move and you grow on, if you're growing and you're taking your, your viewership with you and you're growing, I think right. people respect that at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Nice. Okay. Last two questions, eBay or Amazon? Which one Amazon hundred percent right now, man. <laughs> okay. Um, my last question that I like to ask guests that, that come onto my podcast is, do you think a regular person who is just learning about Amazon now, do you think they can actually become a full-time seller and replace their job income with like selling on Amazon? Is that something that's possible or do you have to be some type of special person or have these special skills or anything like that? Give me a time frame though. And I'll tell you yes or no. A time frame. Okay. Well, see, that's the whole thing. We live in a um instant gratification <laughs> world now where people where people can't even watch a 15 second video without skipping. So um let's say okay, let's say we have a real person who says, you know what, I'm gonna give this Amazon thing one year. Can I quit my job in one year? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's possible, hundred percent for sure, within one year. But before that, I mean 
Because remember, like I said, you are going to have to invest a lot of your profits into your business. So I'd recommend work your job while you work your side hustle. Like Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about, like you have to bust your butt when you come home after dinner and work for three, four hours mm -hmm. and build it up because you're not going to be able to pay yourself in the beginning if you're really trying to build a substantial business. And, and don't forget, doing five grand, say you have to make $5,000 a month to quit your job. That's 5,000 bottom line. Yeah. The average profit margin in a reselling business is going to be somewhere between 20 and 50%, just depending on like if you're on the wholesale side, mm -hmm. OA, even less, or you're going to thrift stores and busting your butt, right? right? So, you know, even if you're going to thrift stores and going crazy, you're going to have to make $10,000 a month, you know, just to make 5K. And, you know, there's still taxes and different things involved. So you got to build it up. It takes time. Right. It takes time. Okay. I know I said that was the last question, but something popped up that I did want to talk to you. Um, I used, before I started, re well, actually last year, I was about 265 pounds. I'm down to 220 now, which is kind of oh, weird because like I, I work out five times a week now and I lift really, really heavy. So like I'm putting on muscle and losing fat at the same time. So the scale isn't going down as quick as that's like a mind thing basically. But, um, you are, you talk about your, like your fitness too. Cause you were like 240 at one time also. Right. Yeah. So how, cause the thing I noticed, cause we kind of touched on it back in the, um, before, before we started recording that there are some resellers, which I'm not talking about anybody, but there are some resellers that fitness kind of takes the back seat cause of reselling and like building your own business. So how important do you think fitness is in like being a reseller or just in life all together? Yeah, I think it's honestly the most important thing. And this is actually something I just put out a video the other day that I gained 30 pounds. So I'm still at like 215. So I'm still mm -hmm. down. But um, for me, it's like at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you don't feel good, if you're very like right now that I put on 30 pounds, like I'm self-conscious, I can't fit into my clothes as well. My energy's down when great things happen in life and business. I can't enjoy it as much because like, I think I'm in my head or I just don't feel as good as I used to. So I know what it feels like to be healthy. Like I was mm -hmm. 175 pounds about a year and a half ago. And, uh, I made a commitment just on my video recently. I'm getting I back thought... there. because I work out often, man. I'm not playing any games. Like I'm getting back there and I know how to get back there and I'm going to do it. But I think it's the most important thing in the world because at the end of the day, you know, you hear people talk about this when you're on your deathbed. Nobody's talking about how much money you made and how successful you were. It's like, how did you treat other people? Like, if you feel like crap, it's hard to treat people really well and take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. So I think it's the most important thing. And this is something I'm still working on myself. Like, I'm not preaching to the choir because, like, I'm, I've been screwing up, like, the last six months myself, putting work first. And mm -hmm. it's just not worth it, man. So... I appreciate you bringing that up because it's a good reminder for us all. Exactly. And congrats for your weight Thank loss, you. man. Thank you you, you Thank lost you. the weight and I took it and threw it on me, baby. <laughs> now you working on it too. I see you up early in the morning inside the sauna and using those dumbbells. So definitely, definitely respect. Hey, we, you I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to your level, man. So what do you, what do you, what are you squatting right now, bro? Um, actually, I just squatted squatted today and I hit a PR. It was three fifty to Ooh, today. I love it, man. Yeah, all right. I ain't getting under that bar. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared of this shit, but I but I did it. <laughs> nice. Okay, work. Steve. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate you coming on to episode ten of the Amazon Um Hustle podcast, and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Where can people follow you at? Yes, yeah, so they can follow me pretty much on all social media at Rake and Profit, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, MySpace, everywhere. 
I forgot to say this. Dot com. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> all right. Join Lewis every Friday to discuss all things related to running a successful Amazon business, including interviews from other successful six and seven figure Amazon sellers. Subscribe to Lewis's YouTube channel to see the podcast and video format and to learn how to start selling on Amazon.